0: that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Jared March came from a non-traditional background, having been homeschooled for his entire K-12 education. After being heavily involved in music throughout those school years, He attended Western Michigan University to earn a Bachelor of Music in music education. He has since taught extensively as a freelance private music instructor, as well as teaching multiple levels of concert band, marching band, jazz band, and brass ensembles for an educational nonprofit organization. He later began teaching in the public school arena for the Gull Lake Virtual Partnership, an innovative public virtual school located in Western Michigan and currently is on staff as a full-time faculty member teaching sixth through 12th grade virtual music. Outside of music, he enjoys camping and hiking with his wife, scuba diving, and rock climbing. So it is my great pleasure this week to welcome music educator Jared March to the podcast. Jared, um, when I was first, uh, when you were first recommended to me by Mike Olander, He told me that you're one of these music teachers that has been teaching virtually for quite a while. I love that idea and and I love that all, all that it encompasses, especially with how you must have dealt with the past two years. But before we get into that, welcome to the podcast and thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: So why don't you start off by telling us your arc of your career, you know, where you went uh, from high school when you first or even earlier when you first got into music up until where you are today?
1: Yeah, so I have a a pretty non-traditional background, actually. Um, I was homeschooled K through 12, and the only class that I took at the public school, local public school, was jazz band uh, throughout high school. So... As a young kid, I think I was around eight, my parents actually started a nonprofit for music education for homeschool kids. Oh, wow. So that was what that was my whole impetus for getting into uh, the field, actually. So all through from eight years old, all the way up until I graduated, I was part of that program. It's called West Michigan Homeschool Fine Arts. And they they set up the whole the whole shebang, so band, orchestra, choir, small ensembles, marching band, drum line, you name it. Um, even stuff like handbells and and more unusual ensembles. So I really, really enjoyed music from a young age. I was in just about everything I could possibly be in, um, band, orchestra, choir, and so on. So I decided that's what I wanted to, to do to make a living. And I ended up going to Western Michigan University I got a degree in music education, and then upon graduating, I went back and worked for the nonprofit. Um, oh, very cool! That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was it was great. Um, the only thing is, it was part time, so we were located in one city, um, and then we ended up opening up a second branch in a second city further south, Kalamazoo. Um, so that was still only two days a week. So. I was doing a lot of freelance, uh, private lessons and stuff like that to try to, <laughs> to keep body and soul together. Um, so I, a local school I heard was looking for private teachers, and I put my name in the hat. And it turns out um, they were starting a pilot program. They wanted to do a, a virtual school, of, uh, essentially, but they were piloting it first to, to get their, you know, get their feet wet and see what what all they wanted to do so I ended up taking an interview they heard about my background they thought I'd be perfect for it so I was hired pretty much on the spot Um, and I've been doing that ever since 2012 so that's the the go Lake virtual partnership initially um, it was a very (laughs) well it was 2012 like no one was doing yeah yeah super early
0: days of the internet
1: yeah so (laughs) there was not um. There was not a lot of resources, and most of the resources that were out there, like as a teacher, they basically just told me, you know, what do you want to do? Go for it. Um, And so that was a very, very blank canvas. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, So I I had no idea what I was doing, and and almost no one else did either. You know, most of the resources um, that I could find were all geared towards college level at that time. Um, Not a lot of secondary schools were doing virtual no. Or, or virtual music even. So now, uh,
0: I'm going to, I'm going to just stop you for a minute because I was just out at the Michigan music conference a couple of weeks ago. I'm sorry. I didn't get to meet you in person. If you were there. I was but, not,
1: that's we did meet there actually in 2019. That's when we first connected.
0: Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Well, for, so were you, are you, was the nonprofit based in Grand Rapids? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because when I was out there, for for those people that listen to this podcast over the last four years, they also know that my passion on the side of music education is I'm an avid home brewer and a lover of beer. And so whenever the Michigan Music Conference comes up on the calendar, uh, for those people that don't know, Grand Rapids is known as Beer City um and there's founders brewing is there uh there's I, I went this time i went over to holland to new holland brewing and i went to kalamazoo to go to bells um near comstock so yeah i know that area really really well so i i, I know i'm completely changing the topic oh no yet, that's great i it, love uh
1: founders and bells are, are are two of my favorites they're right up there yeah i love like you so
0: yeah too. um th- it, that that's the background on which you teach so yeah that's you know, I only know of, of truly a handful of teachers uh, in my circle of friends that uh, that have basically a, same, a similar type of gig uh, as you do. Uh, Joyce Bertelson, who I, who I interviewed the first season, and a, and a fabulous teacher in Pennsylvania named Tom West. I mean, do you know, like, how many of you are there? Uh, you know, I
1: would love to meet more people from outside the state as far as in the state of Michigan. There's probably, <clears throat> well, we're, we're part of a consortium of, of schools that are doing, you know, these innovative programs. And there's, I think, maybe a dozen schools in that consortium and not all of them offer music. You know, some only offer um, like the core classes. So I know probably less than a dozen.
0: Yeah, it's it it is a small world, and I'm sure that um, you know, uh, I'm going to get right to it because what what is you know why don't you describe before we get into COVID, which is the obvious like you must have been the most well prepared music teacher (laughs) in the world for it. But before we do, why don't you talk about your program? What you know, you're at Gull Lake Virtual Partnership. It's part of Gull Lake Community Schools. You know what does your program look like? How many kids? What age group? Like, give us a real clear picture of, of what your day to day is like. All right. So first off, the the
1: program um, was an innovative program first, and a virtual program by necessity. Mm. And, and so what that means is is you know every state is different in how they allow schools to run their courses, and in Michigan, we have something called the seat time. So effectively, students have to have butts in seats five hours a day. That's what counts as full time. If they don't meet their hour requirement, even from stuff like uh, too many snow days, then school has to be extended uh, to fulfill those hourly requirements right. And so <clears throat> as as this program started, they wanted to offer students you know educational opportunities that they would not be able to get in a typical brick and mortar. And so one of the ways that we could do that is by hosting our content online, which removes the, you know, five hour a day requirement that the students, they don't have to stand, you know, in front of a computer or stare at a screen for five hours a day. They can they can document basically what they're doing offline as part of the virtual course. Right. And so that was basically um, the direction we moved. There's a couple other options. Uh, it's a re- this is kind of really nitty gritty, but. You can get seat time waivers, it can be approved by the state superintendent, which we did. Um, and it just turned out that doing it virtually had more flexibility for us. And so that's mm-hmm. the direction almost all of our classes now do um, are run under. So we have several that are run under their project-based waiver, um, but out of, yeah, I don't even remember how many classes we have now, it's, it's hundreds. And I think only two or three. So everything else is run virtually. And uh, we initially started as elective only so what we were trying to do is we were trying to come up with innovative programs and we were trying to cater to a population that the schools typically don't serve or at least at the time they didn't serve so home school students private school students um, students that typically you wouldn't see in the public school but are eligible to come in part-time and if they come in part-time they can only do electives that's another quirky rule (laughs) that that oh interesting yeah it it is it's kind of like the rules kind of shaped and defined what our program looked like initially and then as we started adding more faculty and as we started getting off the ground then we we transitioned into a full-time virtual school so kids can take a variety of paths they can either be a full-time virtual student they can get a diploma through us um, or they can come in as a part-time student they can take electives and supplement what they're doing on their own outside the public school And then a third option that they could do is they could do like the early college dual enrollment side. And if they start that early enough, they can graduate high school with an associate's degree. So that's that's really cool. That's something I wish actually that I was (laughs) I was (laughs) able to do when I was in high school. And I I could have gotten all my gen eds out of the way. before. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely fabulous. So our program offers um, as far as, you know, the elective side where I'm concerned you know, we have our holy trinity, basically, of, of music, art, and PE. Those are our three most popular areas of interest that people take. So, for me, I teach 612 music. I'm in charge of all but one of the 612 music classes, and I have uh, 195 students under me. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> um, so, what what that looks like for the kids, um, our, our model, basically is to partner with people in the community that are able to offer educational opportunities to the kids that you wouldn't normally see in a public school, um, but couple that with an online class and the instruction of a certified teacher. So for example, if a, if a kid is taking PE, they have the option to go to multiple different opportunities like they could do a horsemanship along with their PE class, they could do fencing, um, they could do rock climbing, they could do skiing,
0: and so dance and, and ballet and yep, tap uh, ballet, oh, yes. hip hop. Yeah, yep. I come from a ballet teaching family. I, I'm not, I am not a ballet teacher, but my wife is, my mother has been teaching ballet for 50 plus years. And my daughters were always like the most in shape kids in their gym classes, but none of it counted towards their PE requirement.
1: Yeah, isn't that maddening? Yeah, um. it
0: is. That's That's <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah, and it, it
1: it serves everybody. You know, it's kind of a win-win-win. These students get opportunities they wouldn't get normally. The school gets higher enrollment numbers, and they get a population that's very conscientious about, you know, doing well. And then um, the community gets these students that are able to come to their programs. That's fabulous. So for music, um, what that typically looks like is. We find experts in the area that our students can go study with one-on-one or or small groups. Um, groups have been a problem, obviously, Right, right <laughs> lately. Right, right. So currently, I don't. I think we have one. We have a full ensemble, um, but it mostly is one-on-one, working with an expert in that instrument or voice. So you know, I always make the case that you know, I'm I'm a brass guy. <laughs> I went to school. For trumpet, I took one semester of string methods, so if a kid wants to teach or wants to learn viola from me, um, I can get them started, but I'm not going to go much beyond middle school, you know? Right. So instead, they can work with a local symphony player and they can take viola, uh, you know, one on one. With That's incredible. I
0: love that. So their private lessons count as part of their music education credits? Well, that's that's the sticky point.
1: They okay, don't, yeah, and the state has specifically forbade that. Right. So, the the education opportunities that can come with the class are legally optional, and so the students are not required to go to them. But but of course, you know that's what they want. They, that right. our program is is completely voluntary to join. You know, you have to seek us out and sign up for it. It is a public school, but they they it's a virtual thing so that no one's getting placed here automatically. They need to enroll with us on purpose. And so Got it. the people that do that are people that want these opportunities. So the way, the way it works legally is as I'm the certified teacher, my certification covers the class, covers everything as far as um, what the law requires. And then my class has opportunities for students to document what they're doing offline. And you know that I, I can't count like, Contact time with a community expert as part of the class, right? But but the student can count any kind of work that they're doing offline as part of the class. Got it. So that's how I get it works it. out. I get it. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons you know that's how we had to just set it up in order to be able to make these opportunities available to students. You know, there's other states where things are different. Um, there's a really innovative school out of Wisconsin. I know that um, I was. We were planning on going. On a field trip, there is a you know faculty field trip, and that was right right when COVID hit. There you go. It got canceled, so that was a bummer. But you know, and then there's other states. I think New Hampshire is one that's a lot more flexible as far as you know hourly requirements and um, what counts. You know things that are more like uh, competency based, which is something I really really feel strongly about. You know, if a student is able to demonstrate competency in a certain area, there's no reason they need to sit in a class for hours and hours in order to do that right
0: so So, what what is your like when today what did what did your day look like you know um because i'm just fascinated and i'm sure listeners are as well it sounds like a really cool gig so like today what what did you do with the kids
1: all right so first of all everything that we do is asynchronous Uh, oh very cool yeah and so that's um i think that's a big deal and it also is kind of a pitfall because if you have kids that aren't, you know, self-motivated <laughs> and, and, uh, and get on regularly online and do their work, they can fall behind pretty easily. Right. But we are, but we are asynchronous. And so just to give you a rundown of my course load um, for the last several years before this current school year, I had two main sections um, of classes. I had applied music and music explorations. So applied music was the default uh, umbrella class is what we call them that a kid would get dropped into, whether they were a ukulele player or they played the trumpet or the harp or bass guitar, um, they got put in that class. And so I had a very, very diverse population yep. of, of students. And so I, my job basically was I needed to come up with something that would be, you know, if not applicable to everybody, at least uh, potentially applicable you know so i have percussion students that are you know they're learning you know they have there's a tuning assignment on aurelia and they get to do it <laughs> even though oh
0: i see right i
1: mean the only thing a percussionist would end up tuning would be a timpani
0: but right um well, i think i think there are a lot of music teachers listening to this going oh my god i don't know if this is the greatest gig or the most nightmarish gig because having has, that kind of, huge, of <laughs> 175 kids of diverse you know backgrounds and diverse instruments and and Interest, and levels passion, and yeah and, and, and grade and, levels all and, in one two giant
1: classes you know not just grade levels but but skill level too right so, so you know you get kids that um you know we we could get a, a homeschool student say that had been taking private lessons on their own since they were 4 and they come in as an eighth grader and they've been playing for years along with a kid who maybe just started in eighth grade right so that was that was an issue and that was um the bane of my existence you know, every year, um, the the school board basically told us that the kids can take the same class again because you know they want to continue on every year taking music, and they would take a class, you know, the same class, but the content had to be different every year. Right. So I, I was rewriting the class every year, and it 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 was pretty exhausting, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's like the ultimate differentiated instruction, the ultimate. You know, right, like, yeah, and that's I mean, one it,
1: thing that really plays into virtual strengths is that you know ideally I'd be doing like independent study with each one of these kids. Right, right. Um, but that's not realistic, and so the next best thing is is what I I well, I don't want to say is what I came up with next, but I'm working towards it at least, and it's a it's always a work in progress. So we changed um, this past year, we changed to differentiated levels. So now I have. You know applied music level one level two level three level four i have music explorations level one two three four um and and i'm going to be adding on to them every year from here on out so that they'll eventually be seven levels so a kid could come in at sixth grade and they could go all the way through their senior year of high school and they would be able to progress through these levels
0: that's fantastic you can probably see where i'm
1: going with this with stuff like musician and
0: aurelia yeah no that that totally makes sense that it's by uh, you know uh, breaking it out into different levels or else you'd be rewriting the class every single year every you know every uh, i can't imagine that. right right
1: so so now this is what my this is what it looks like so now i have i have 12 sections basically that i'm working with because we have to split middle and high school um separated from each other right so my day looks like um grading anything that's come in uh, you know, returning feedback to the students, obviously answering emails. I have office hours daily that the students can sign up for through Google Meet, and then developing. Um, you know, it's it's a work in progress through this semester, developing the curriculum that'll be posted throughout the rest of the of the year. So, I have a plan. Um, this summer, they gave me you know there's a grant that let me work over the summer, and I, and I was able to sit down and I went through, uh, literally every every single test on focus on sound. I cataloged which lessons pointed to that test. I went through every single quiz that um, a Aurelia really, musician offered. Uh, you know, cataloged which lessons or or little articles went with that that quiz. Um, figured out how many levels there were for every single thing. Put it all in a big Google Doc, you know, and so I I ended up charting out a curriculum or the bones of a curriculum for seven levels. And then wow. I I filled out the particulars for the the first 3. So currently we we've only been using Music First for th- this is our third year. So we actually only have 3 levels right now. Um so that's that's what my day looks like. It's, you know, grading, feedback, emails, talking to students, developing curriculum, posting content, and then, you know, the the the, the nitty-gritty that goes with that like recording videos and stuff like that. Right, right. So are your hours
0: flexible or are they set like, you know, a a typical 7.30 to 3.30 kind of thing?
1: They're flexible. Although I, I, my wife gets up really early to go to work. So I just get up early with her. And since I'm working from home, it's, I just start at six, six to two, usually, unless somebody needs, you know, a separate time
0: to meet with me. So, yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm like, I'm trying to process this as I'm sure the listeners are as well, that, like you could just base I mean, so when March of twenty twenty hit, was there any impact? There was some. Um so I was,
1: you know, I was in the school building throughout the week with and I had office hours there where students Oh, that's right. And-
0: they did this Joyce Bertelson, who teaches in a virtual school in Arizona, had to be physically in a school building. be a virtual teacher they didn't trust her to be home on her own oh wow Um, yeah so um not during covid but um but pre-covid you know like oh right this
1: definitely opened up some things for me specifically because yeah the i wouldn't even really have considered working from home before and then COVID hit and they actually you know no one was allowed in the building they told it, they actually told us, they're like, get anything you have out of the building because, you know, Monday morning, you won't be able to get in unless it's some dire emergency. Um, what was that? Friday the 13th is when that all That's went right. down. <laughs> and so um, they didn't even let us in the building. They, they they basically said, you have to work from home. Um, and of course, you know, we, we were in the same situation everyone else was, except we already had a bunch of stuff set online. Right. So for me, it didn't change much. I, I switched to using my Google Calendar as my, you know, uh, an appointment calendar. Students could use that to sign up for a time if they needed office hours with me and it just set up a Google Meet really easily. Um, that was that was a good move by Google. I like that appointment yeah. calendar.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, the asynchronous thing. And so it was really just your from what i'm hearing but i'm sure i'm not right uh that that your teaching situation changed you were going from being in a in a physical building to being home and and making small adaptations what about your students
1: yeah there was a lot um obviously the morale <laughs> yeah. went down the toilet for everybody um without all of that interaction that they would ex- you know expected to have and have had their whole lives so that was a big deal um you know, even our, our community partners, everybody was doing their stuff virtually. And I'm sure you know exactly how much of a mess trying to do virtual music lessons is. Absolutely. Um, so it was not optimal in that regard either. And then, of course, the technology issue, the fact that before when kids could come into the school and do their work there, you know, we have we have a lab for them and. Um, so that they can do their classes at the school if they want to, or or they can do them at home. They can do them whenever and wherever. But with the school being closed, then we ran into, of course, all the issues of, of personal devices and and everything that comes with that. You know, I don't have a microphone. We only have a desktop. We don't have any other way of recording stuff. Right. So the school, our school, is 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 very fortunate. You know, um, the budget allowed for basically whatever we need um we have chromebooks available to every student if they need it i was able to get a bunch of microphones purchased you know the little clip-on to an eighth inch jack microphones yep. so we were able to re and then hotspots. um so that was another thing we're a pretty rural district and and a ton of our population um doesn't necessarily even live in the district you know there's people that live up, up in the up um, they pretty close, actually. I know that there were some people living in the north tip of the mitten. Wow. Um, technically, right. they could be anywhere in the state. So I'm actually not positive where the furthest one is, but I know that there were people that would come to the building regularly that came at least an hour or an hour and a half away. Wow! And they, they, you know, they believed in the program that much, and they got that much out of it that it was worth it for them.
0: And so what now, I mean, not that we're out of COVID by, I mean, we're recording this in the middle of February, 2022, um, but uh, is it, uh, are you in a better place now than than two years ago? Yeah, so we had, I
1: will say this too, as far as uh, COVID, you know, the end of that year was, um, you know, basically just salvaging what you could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everyone knows. So what we, you know, we had a, a pretty large influx, actually. I think we had like a 20% jump in our enrollment that That fall. is
0: not surprising at all, because I think a lot of kids, I mean, my, my thought, just listening to what you've said over the last 20-25 minutes, is that you guys already had it down how to do asynchronous learning, how to do it online, uh, you know, all those kids I'm sure that, that were in schools that didn't know how to do it, uh, or they thoroughly enjoyed virtual learning, which there are, I would say 10, 15% of kids preferred it after doing right. After doing it. I'm sure I'm not surprised at all that your enrollment jumped.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, you know, it it's kind of it's hard to it's it's hard to parse out sometimes because you know, you get um you get such a wide range of, of what brick and mortar kids were exposed to, you know, you know, they sometimes their teachers and I'm not blaming any of the teachers because this was thrown on everybody. Absolutely. No, everyone but,
0: was thrown in the deep end without, a without a life raft. But you know, some schools were just like,
1: here's Google classroom and replicate your class online. Yep. And so, I mean, that's not virtual learning. Um, and so, th- so some students were exposed to virtual quote unquote virtual learning throughout the pandemic without getting a real taste of what it could be. Um, and then others enjoyed what they did or you know they came they came over and enrolled with us and they really enjoyed it and stuck around. So yeah, it, it it was weird because typically our entire population is signing up for virtual and they want to do it. And now all of a sudden you're in a situation where everybody's virtual and all, <laughs> tons of them don't want to do it. They right. <laughs> Did not want uh, anything to do with it, and so, yeah, there there are some re- all kinds of reactions across the board. I, 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 as far as our program is concerned, I think, you know, going into this year with you know somewhat return to normalcy, um, we're on uh, we we declined from last year, which doesn't surprise me, but we're still on an upward trend from the previous year. Got it. So we had some students that stuck around. They enjoyed it enough that they transitioned from brick and mortar um, to to full time virtual. So, so yeah, I mean things are are returning somewhat to normal. Um, for me, I actually I got married in the middle of COVID, and my oh, wife, wow. <laughs> my wife's job took her to Florida. So I'm speaking to you from Orlando currently.
0: Oh my goodness, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> and it was a, it was a real blessing because the the. COVID situation kind of proved that the work from home model was effective as far as I was concerned. And so that, that opened up the avenue for me to
0: continue teaching for Go Lake, but remotely. That's fantastic. So, um, just now getting into like your program and what type of activities, uh, I know that you've been using music first, but just in general, what type of, you know, activities, asynchronous activities are your students doing? So we
1: have um, I use I use quite a bit of the uh, options available, but not everything. And I, this is something I want to get better at. So we use the the main core of the program revolves around focus on sound, musician, and Aurelia. And so um, I don't know if I said earlier that I, I'm really big on the competency based aspects of of. Uh, of learning and education. Yep. And that's one thing where a musician and Aurelia really shine because, <laughs> man, I'll tell you what, I mean, sure, I'm sure you've heard this many times, but if you're a music teacher that are, you're trying to create even just something like a a, a note identification quiz, the amount of s- like just um, slog work that you have yep. to do, you have to go into, you know, Sibelius and you have to screenshot or take a PDF or whatever of one single note, and then do that over and over and over again, just to give yourself some multiple choice options. And so the process of creating one question of, you know, what note is this?
0: It's 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, for one question. And then, you know, try to imagine what that looks like across, now I have 12 sections of classes. Right. Like, uh, completely absurd. And so, Boy, this, that's where I just love, <laughs> I love the options available to me there. Um, so, you know, we, we go through like uh, for the first level, obviously we're, we're doing the really basic notes on the staff. Um, so we, we take, um, we take Musician, Aurelia and Focus on Sound. I think I already said that. That's kind of like the core of the, the programs that we use that are connected to music first. And then alongside of that, the students have, you know, they have some individual goal setting assignments, they have some self-reflection assignments, they have a portfolio where they're recording themselves throughout the semester multiple times. You know, I'm listening to like 700 recordings a semester.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 700, just say that out loud. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, if they do, if they all do their work. Right, right, right. They're pretty good about it. Um, So... So it ends up looking like, I guess you could just say like a general music type class, you know, we're not, we're not, I know a lot of your customers probably are band teachers that are using aspects of it. Um, But we're not an ensemble, we're not a performing ensemble. So,
0: so yeah, totally. And, and, and I am sure, uh, Jared, that um, a lot of, I, I mean. Maybe I'm wrong, but did did a lot of people reach out to you and your colleagues uh, in March of 2020 and so "What the heck? We need help." You know, I I actually sent
1: everyone all the music teachers in the district. I sent them. I think you did a a webinar pretty early on.
0: Yep, like right at the beginning.
1: Like a 45 minute thing. Um, I watched it. I thought it was great, so I sent it on to to everyone in the district. And you know, I. I think the response was just, they were so overwhelmed with the situation that they didn't want to try to transition their students over to an entirely new program. Understood. And and we're a Google school district, so everyone had a Google class section anyways yep. that they would post homework or, or whatnot on. So I think, and and you know, the, the state of Michigan basically told everyone that they were getting a free pass, that every student was, was going to pass that school year. So, right, no matter what. No matter what. So, so, yeah, (laughs) that's Um, good. I mean, I, I I, I would have loved to see it. You know, I, 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 uh, that's one thing I wish we had a little bit more um, collaboration between all of our different buildings, between us and the high school and the, and the middle school, because, you know, they're doing some really cool stuff and we're doing some really cool stuff, but, you know, being remote, it actually is quite difficult to do that. You know, you don't, you don't just run into people you don't just bump into them and that's one thing i miss about working
0: remotely is that there's no water cooler talk you know that's right and that and that's really where a lot of the camaraderie is isn't it you know that that kind of shared sense of purpose but also that shared sense of you know, especially if you've got it. And I'm sure your administration is fabulous. But, uh, you know, that's whenever I remember my water cool t- cooler talk was always like, can you believe that they gave me a duty on four days a week? And rah, rah, rah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I in fact, that's probably one of the things I miss most out of teaching was the ability to commiserate. Um, Now that I run a company, I really don't have anyone <laughs> to commiserate. <laughs> right. Right. And you can't really do that over Zoom. No, no, no. <laughs> So, that's, that's re- so really you're creating, if I've heard you correctly, 12 self-guided courses that are, for lack of a better term, comprehensive musicianship, where kids are learning, um, if they want to be a performer, they can go and do that. If they find a private teacher in their community, they, I'm sure they're interacting with you on a limited basis with that. Um, but it's really for them to become a well-rounded musician um, and and be, achieve their full potential, would that be fair to say? Right, right. So one of the one of my big projects
1: this year actually was um, it's like how do I document? So I have these students that are moving through multiple levels. How do I document their progress? How do I document? Let's say um, so I can I, I break them out into groups too. That's another thing I really like about um, the music first. So I can put, let's say all the woodwinds in level one in one group and mm-hmm. then i can assign them all right we're going to start with our you know basic scales and if you're if you're in level one and you're a woodwind player your first scale is going to be the first five notes of the b flat scale uh, concert b flat and so that that shows up as a practice first assignment they pass it off they get you know better than 60 percent on it and then yep. i put that into um, i'm using a database tool called Airtable. oh yeah absolutely Another music educator um, pointed me in that direction, and I love it. I've, I just started using it this semester, so now I've got a database of all my kids. I've got you know them connected to their parents as a field. So let's say I could you know we've got multiple siblings from the same family that are part of the program. Right. So I can send one email to the parents, and I can say here's how all the kids are doing, and here's the skills that they've passed off this semester. You know, so if they're a percussionist, I've gone on the Vic Firth. Website and they have these forty rudiments. All right, uh, right. And they have demonstration videos, and so I've I've basically just like went to the YouTube. I copied them into a lesson. I um, link the audio. They have a play along track, and then I'll have a recording assignment for percussion students. So they've got to do flams. They've got to do paradiddle diddles and you know it basically will go through for the four. Well, not all forty by the time they get through the whole program, but a good chunk of them. Right. Um. Uh, what else? You know, if they're guitar players, they have to demonstrate a chord and that's a recording assignment. And then once they play it for me, then that goes into another field on the on the database. Like they've passed off G chord. They've passed off D7. And so those are, are tangible skills they demonstrated. And then uh, competencies would be something like you know, they, they were able to identify the notes on the staff. Um, level one, Aurelia. You know, whatever the criteria that 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 the the generated quiz says yep. on Aurelia, that's the definition of the competency that they've
0: passed off. Oh, that's great! I, it's really nice to hear the the tools being used the way they were originally intended to be used. Because it, you know, uh, as somebody who was behind the creation of all this, and and as well as all of the uh, folks that like the guys who made Aurelia and musician, it's just nice to hear that people are are using it the way that. That they were kind of built for. Um, I wonder what, now I'm going to put you on the spot here, Jared, and and I don't, I'm sure if your administrators are listening, they'll be like, okay, now what is he going to say? But can you see yourself ever not teaching in the virtual school environment? Can you see yourself teaching, you know, in a classroom with kids someday? Or is it, is this just so great? And it's like perfect for your lifestyle that, that, um, you know, that you're going to stay?
1: That's a good question.
0: I do really miss.
1: So, with the nonprofit that I worked for, that my parents started, you know, I worked for that for years, and I actually only just quit when I moved to Florida. Oh, so, I see. So, you know, I was teaching. I was teaching. So uh, you were fork.
0: teaching live. I fork. was. Oh, I get it. That's really so cool.
1: I wasn't full time at the virtual school at that point, and uh, it was when I transitioned down here. I said, hey, I'm actually open now for full time. We really need to get these kids split into levels because we need to get more differentiated instruction. The administration okayed it. And so it all kind of clicked. Yep. But I was teaching in in person, you know, I was teaching four levels of band, concert band, I was teaching marching band, two brass ensembles, jazz band. Um and I really, really do enjoy it. Right. So I do miss the the interpersonal interaction. I miss all you know, all that goes with that because it really was a great gig because I had all of the fun parts of being a band director with none of the administrative crap that you. Yep,
0: oh, I hear you. With. A lot loud and clear. So yeah, I think that's where I I may have misinterpreted. So the pre-COVID, you were teaching these kids at in some capacity live, correct. Yep. So it
1: was a, a, a totally different population and, you know, totally separate organization.
0: Oh, for the nonprofit, for the nonprofit. Uh, right, right, for the right, nonprofit.
1: Right. Got it. So, all right. You know, we, we ended up doing it when COVID hit, you know, like everybody else, we did a virtual concert and what a lot of pain in the neck, man. Oh, yeah. I feel for every other teacher that had to sit down and learn, you know, Premiere. Final Cut Pro. Yeah. brutal. brutal.
0: <laughs>
1: and I, so I use Flipgrid. I had the kids all send me stuff, you know, and of yep. course... By the time we COVID had hit, we weren't anywhere near ready for performing, and I was just hoping that they <laughs> improved some at home. <laughs> That's great, but yeah,
0: that, that was a nightmare. Never again. Right. Never so again. I've got a couple more minutes with you, Jared. So I do want to ask um, my my final two questions because you've you've basically covered everything uh, that I was going to ask. But the the advice question, um, you know, what advice would you give to music teachers who are thinking? it's twofold what you know teaching in a, in a in a virtual school like yours but also you know incorporating technology into their teaching you know generally
1: yeah I would well first of all I would say that if you were forced to use something like Google classroom over the last two years like don't be afraid of of trying to dip your toe in again <laughs> because right. there's so much more that that is available to you. Um, especially when it's not you know a, such a hurried you know we have to it's get not something forced up. right and then not forced yeah yeah um and you know for people that are are curious about it I'd say the thing that really hooked me was I I talked to Mike and he got me a um, trial subscription over the summer mm-hmm. and I spent that first summer that I heard about music first just digging through what the program had to offer. And so, you know, doing, doing research, finding out what are, what are some really cool tools out there that you can use. And then I, I just think, you know, don't do technology for technology's sake. That's the truth. <laughs> like, it is a tool. So yeah. you, you've got to have something in mind. What, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? And then there's probably a technological tool that is out there that can assist
0: you with it. Right. Well, you've been you've been you just said what I've been saying for years and years. So it always makes me smile when I hear someone else say it. I've mean, it is it is purely it's like it's like a baton to me. Um, you know, if if that baton will extend your arms so that kids can see it better, use it. If you don't want to use it and and you could do it better without the baton, then then put the baton down.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, and I it's funny that I would say that because we totally was, you know, the virtual school bottle yeah. just because <laughs> at the start, but then, you know, we, we grew into it. And instead of looking at it as, as, you know, a millstone around our necks, we were just like, all right, well, what can we do to flourish and, and grow in this environment? And now, I you know, I think it's great. It's that not for be. every kid, but um, it is a great, it's a great avenue. And one of the things that we're big believers in is giving the students a menu of choices that they, yep that they can pick from to progress through their education. And if virtual works for them, that's awesome. And we'll be there to support them. But if it's not, and they need the support of being in a classroom and, and interacting with their peers and the, a teacher you know, in a live setting like that, then great. That's you great. Know, we'll, we'll resource them in that direction too. All
0: right, Jared. my last question is the magic wand question that I ask everybody. If you could wave a magic wand and have either music first or music tech in general do something that it can't do now, what would it be?
1: Oh, do I get a couple?
0: Yeah, sure, <laughs> go for it. Okay.
1: <clears throat> well, obviously, the uh, latency-free uh, method of playing together online it's the golden yep standard. There are a few for.
0: things out there, but they all require hardware right now, and I and it's I was just a looking at that prohibitive.
1: last week. Actually, I thought, "Whoa, they they did it," and then I saw it by this this connection, um, an interface or whatever it was yep. that. that uh, so that's one thing. Um, as far as Music First goes, you know, I've been very happy with it. Um, they're all really, really nitpicky, tiny things. It's good, though. That's,
0: um, what I, that's what we want. I love it because we can, we can go in and fix it if it's doable.
1: Well, you know, stuff like, um, so if I have the kids turning in a, a goal setting assignment or a goal reflection assignment, it, it's in a text box. So having something like that be downloadable, having all their answers downloadable oh, would be cool. amazing. You know, right now I'm actually copying and pasting. Right, oh, I
0: get it. I know exactly what you mean. All into Airtable.
1: Yep. Um, and then, you know, uh, being able to do something like uh, create an assessment that pulls from Musician and Aurelia at the same time. Oh, cool. I doubt that it's technically feasible since it has to launch the, the, the software. But Well,
0: if you notice, both the Aurelia and Musician tabs are in there. Um, and you can toggle back and forth if you have both programs. So I can talk to uh, Peter Lee, who's the gentleman who created it. I could certainly ask him. I love that idea. Cause then I, uh, it would
1: let me create a single like pre and post assessment.
0: Yeah. With ear training and theory in the same quiz. That's the first time right. anyone's ever suggested that at least to me. So I love that.
1: Or even, even pulling from like a focus on sound quiz too, mm. you know, that, that would be, that would be ideal. Cause right now, if I want to do something like that, I have two choices. I either create three separate pre posts or I create an assessment. And then I, I literally, this is, I just, I just did this. I went in and um, copied the questions verbatim from focus on sound and put them in a music first assessment.
0: I feel your pain. The, The funny thing is you can kind of do it. Um, our assessment allows for software questions. Um, our assessment generator. It's a little bit clunky, but that was my original dissertation idea was to have one assessment with multiple software titles in it. Maybe um, maybe you and I will have to schedule a follow-up so I can show you how to do that, but it would be a whole lot nicer if it was easier to do, to like pull from a question bank from all the various software titles that you have. I love that idea. Yeah. And then I I think the only other thing I run into regularly
1: is since I do so much you know manual grading when I when I click on something in the um, in the little box uh, to pull up the what needs to be graded yep. if it would automatically sort by when they were submitted you know cuz I yeah, have 12 so classes you can, you and can same, do that
0: as well um,
1: you well, can, I know, I know you can do it after you pull it up, but I mean like yeah, if that first oh, initial click saying. landed you on automatically sorted by submitted time. Got it.
0: Got it. Cool. Those are, I, I just wrote all those down, Jared. I will get in touch with our geek squad and uh, see what we can do. Um, but I, you know, I'd like to really thank you for, for joining us and sharing you know, your gig with, it it's just so fascinating to me. And it's, it's, uh, it's cool that you can do it from Orlando and be teaching in Chile, Michigan. I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that you're enjoying the sunshine down there with your wife. That's extremely oh, cool. Oh yeah. It
1: was 72 today and Michigan is getting four inches of snow.
0: There you go. Anyway, Jared, thanks so much for spending time with us. I, I truly appreciate it and uh, have a great rest of your school year. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.